Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of This Feral Life Podcast. Uh, coming here today from uh, the now just recently rained on uh, Texas, which was really, really nice. 10 degrees lower, I'll take it. It was so hot, it was unbearable. Oh man, it's been so crazy. We broke like every record uh, all the way back to like the 50s this summer. It's been, it's been really bad. Did you see uh, in the news they were saying that the Farmer's Almanac is saying it's going to be like the coldest, wettest winter on record? Yeah, we're going to have to save an episode for that because we had a scenario here in Texas. Um, if you're not all familiar, we had a snow vid, <laughs> uh, which completely downed our power lines. We were out of power and we've never been, I mean, we've never experienced that here in the, in South Texas, um, that type of snow <laughs> snowstorm. Well, it's like negative 25. Yeah. I mean, it killed... All the trees, like all the trees, because here they got a lot of tropical trees. Every palm tree died, every tropical fern died, everything died. There was just a big wasteland. I mean, if you could have made a lot of money, like hauling, uh, like palm trees, because we, from... we have a lot of palm trees um, around, and so those are big and heavy and very expensive to haul off. Uh, so you could have made some some good money there. Oh yeah. Speaking of hauling stuff and doing things with all sorts of uh, stuff to make extra money, today's episode is about monetizing your equipment on your farm. And when we're talking about that, we're talking about broad terms here. Um, you can monetize, if you have a nice truck, you can do hot shots and hauling stuff. Yep. A nice trailer, a dump trailer, stuff like that. Haul stuff, move things, take trash, stuff like that for people. So you should, every piece of equipment you buy for your farm should, should pay for itself. Pay for itself. Yeah. And, I mean, even if you buy a nice dehydrator, you can make baby snacks for somebody. Yeah. You buy a freeze dryer, you're going to start, you're going to find ways to monetize that. Pet foods, baby snacks, baby food. Uh, breast because, milk. Yeah, breast, breast milk. Breast milk's a big one. Yeah, breast milk's a big one. Yeah. Um, baby food's a big one, too, because moms don't want metals in their foods. They want to know exactly what their babies are eating, and I don't blame them. And so that's a great way to monetize your uh, freeze dryers. Yeah. So if you've got every everything you get, you buy a shovel, you can dig something for someone somewhere. So there's a way to monetize pretty much everything. And we're going to kind of help you think outside the box for that. Like, uh, let's see. Let's talk about it. So tractors, let's start with big stuff and work our way down. Okay. Right? So probably outside of your actual house, uh, the, the next most expensive thing you're going to have is going to be like tractors and vehicles. Pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. like, that, that's pretty much how yeah. that goes. Um, so you got your tractor, you got your big old giant tractor, and something you can do with it to make extra money is to, um, like, I plan on buying another tractor and doing road grading out there at, uh, the new, 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 new farmstead, putting in new roads, take maintaining the roads that are there, uh, doing tilling and brush removal mm -hmm. for a bunch of people. So Clearing. putting in garden beds with them, doing fence posts, because none of it out there. It's just blank land. So uh, as people move in to the areas around us, they're going to need somebody to put in fence posts. You know, heck, I'll go drill a bunch of holes with the tractor and knock it out. Uh, I don't know if I want to put the fence fences up, but I'll sure put the, po the holes there. Yeah, I saw yep. this man doing it all in one. I have to find that video again, but it was pretty cool the way he had his little setup. It was the the pole that would go in, but then he had the roll of yeah. Fencing. He's got some fancy fencing machine. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was really. Yeah. I can't justify buying I know. that yet. Yes, yet. But, we will. We'll get there one day. Yeah, I do. I do like. But you know, if we if we're buying something, like 
as far as a uh you know if i buy if i'm buying a new let's say flail mower for the tractor i'm going to use that to clear my right of way at the farm uh and then other people's right of ways do fire breaks for it uh you know just a little bit of everything and it's not that hard to think of ways to use your tractor. Now, you need to make it worth your while. So when it comes to that, you don't want to lowball yourself. You don't want the job just to get the job, right? Like, you don't want to put the wear and tear on your equipment to have it break into, a, you know, uh, and the maintenance required and replacement costs if you do break something. I don't do anything with tractor work for less than like $100 an hour. And I don't tell people a price for a job, right? I don't go, oh, hey, this uh, this job is, um, you know, I think it's going to take me five hours. I'll charge you 500 bucks. Because if I get that job done in 10 minutes, then uh, I still want that $500, right? Um, but you're going to find that people... Um, like the hourly rate and they're very happy with that as long as they don't look out there and see you like doing nothing right so hourly rate on a tractor works out really well per job rate on small jobs uh that are like you know tilling tilling a garden a new garden bed doing three or four passes with a tiller over like you know you got a six foot tiller at the back or a five foot small tiller and you, you do three or four passes with that guy and that takes you, what, 20, 30 minutes to do a regular garden bed. Well, you know, that's 50 bucks, but you, you now hauled your tractor over there. You've taken it off the trailer. You've put it together. So for those kind of small jobs, I do those piecemeal. Like, oh, hey, uh, that'll be 200 bucks. We'll get it all together. I'll till in some poo, uh, you know, whatever else you want done Why I'm still here. Uh, you know, maybe, so, you know, just... Make garden beds, yeah, clothes gardens, all kinds of stuff. Do a couple of things, do a couple other little things like that while you're while you're there on scene. But um, as far as doing it by hourly, like those little pe those little jobs need to be done piecemeal. A big job would be, hey, I need you to go mow that forty acres over there. That one is one that I would do by hour, um, just because you know if you run out of fuel, you have to go get some more fuel. You're getting paid the entire time you're getting more fuel, right? Does that make sense? You're not just Oh, I'm, I'll mow your 40 acres for, you know, you know, 300, 300 or 400 bucks. Well, you run out of fuel, you hit a problem, you got to fix something real quick. You got to run and get more fuel. You're not making money during that time. Whereas if you do the bigger jobs by the hour and the smaller jobs, just like as a just a straight quote. And I see it, seem to think it works out a lot better. Uh, those of you guys that live up where it gets cold uh, with your tractor, you can clear driveways. Uh, you can do pretty much just about anything you want. Um, so I, can, I'm, I'm going to question the whole piecemeal versus hourly. Yeah. Wouldn't it be best, like, if there's a lot of acreage and it's a bigger project for you to charge, you know, by, like, like a piecemeal type? Well, the thing is, is that I, I, I like hourly. Uh, okay. See your little your thing there says it's it's like to mow an acre uh, is going to be 150 to 200 bucks, right? Right. Well, okay. If it takes me two hours to mow it, but how overgrown is it? I mean, if you just go, all right, this is my it's a, it's it's basically 200 bucks an acre 
to mow whatever you want. Okay, we got 40 acres. Yeah, okay, that's, you know, eight grand or whatever. Uh, and that's just the cost you call. You don't, you, you quote them, and there's stumps out there. There's rocks out there. It's, you, you get out halfway out in the field, and you find out part of it's a swamp. And you it get takes up, you more days. And yeah, it, yeah, and it, ta okay. it now takes you three or four days. Um, whereas if you're being paid by the hour, they can call it quits whenever they want. They're like, yeah, you know what? It's not worth doing that back you know, little two-acre swampy area back there uh, because, you know, it's going to take you six hours to struggle through it. And those six hours, you know, they don't want to pay it by hour, um, whether you're not obligated to finish that by hour, right? By piecemeal, you have to. If it takes you six hours to struggle through there and mow it, by golly, you, you've agreed to a price, you're going to get it done. Um, or give them a discount on it. But then you'd have to go back and you know figure out your hourly for it and anyway <laughs> so yeah i like hourly it gives the customer ability to um if you get done with something a little bit faster than uh they anticipated but they have had a budget in their head it shows them that they get to save a little bit of money also it gives them the opportunity to go you know what he got done with that pretty quick i have a couple of little holes over here to dig i need to fill in this pothole i had to go and do a couple other things well i got the tractor here uh, you know, and it's charging me the same amount, whatever I'm doing, as long as the tractor's running, I'm getting, I'm you, getting charged a hundred bucks an hour. Um, then I'll have them go and do this and that and that and that. And then they start referring you to friends, you know, don't diddle on a job. You're working for yourself. Don't screw yourself. Right. So, uh, tractor monetization is really easy when it comes to like mowing jobs, stuff like that. Now, uh, if I lived in an area where it snowed a lot, I would definitely buy a snowblower. A snowblower oh, yeah. attachment with the third function up front of the tractor. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but if I didn't, and let's say I live somewhere where it only, uh, like you could count on maybe six or eight good snows a year, but the rest of the year would just have a little bit of snow, I would probably lease a snowblower attachment. There's a lot of companies out there that will lease the snowblower attachment to you for the four or five months when it's like, you know, snowy. And then I would turn around and use that lease and I would go and I would use the crap out of that machine. Yeah. I mean, it's rented. There's I a reason. make my money back. Yeah. And use there's the a reason that they call it, you know, you, you know, use it like a rented mule, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> I would ride that snowblower out. Like I, I, out I'm, yonder. Yeah. That's my <laughs> new chariot and it's going to make me some money. And uh, I mean, if, I, if I'm paying 450 to $500 a month leasing it anyway, and the snowboard attachment, uh, and it's normally a, a seven or $8,000 uh, attachment, I'm going to make some money out with it. Yeah. I'm going to pay for half of the damn machine by the time the year's out. But I look at it this way is that I'm going to use it so hard that I might break it, but it's a lease. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Which means you just get, you just get on the phone to your local dealer and go, yeah. I don't know what kind of metal you're making these things from these days, but the boy, I just can't handle the snow up here. Blah, blah, blah. Then have them send you another one. Um, or have them come out there, pick up their old machine, drop it back off, and give you another one. Uh, but I'm clearing, like, uh, roads for people. I'm clearing things for people. I'm clearing, um, you know, uh, areas so, so people could get out to feed their animals. I'm clearing a little bit of everything. If I have... Uh, if I have the snowblower attachment for my tractor. And it's a it's a pretty lucrative little job. That's another one of those ones that I would do by, uh, I would probably honestly do those by the job. 
Uh, just because snow is a very... It's a thing, right? It comes down often. It's relatively unpredictable. And you might have a person who has you come and clear their road for, to their house, you know, six or seven times in a season. You don't really want to, you know, have it be financially ridiculous for them every time they do it. You want them to be able to, you want it to be, uh, you know, make sense to them to, char to charge it out to you. So if I lived somewhere that was cold, lease a snowblower attachment for the for the front bucket. Drop your bucket, hook up the attachment, go to town, uh, drink some coffee, and uh, tractor time is happy time. Yeah, rock and roll on that yeah, guy. They were fun. Yeah, they, they are were a fun. lot of fun. Uh, tractor time is always happy time unless something breaks and you're doing maintenance and then it's not happy time. Then it's lots of yelling and watching YouTube videos and how do I fix that? Uh, <laughs> YouTube... Man, it, it's so good for, for when something's broken and how to fix it. Um, other things you can do with your tractor, post holes. Yep. You know, uh, if the ground is soft and sandy and nice and easy and it doesn't have a lot of rocks, uh, and uh, the, this guy's like, hey, I might, I need to put a ton of post holes. I'm charging five to ten bucks a post hole. Mm. Install irrigation. Yeah. Irrigation's a fun one. Yeah. Now, uh, ir if you have a ditch witch type attachment, do you, at this point, okay. I a little, used to do it on the farm. It was uh, such yeah, a cheat. Yeah, it was cheap. On the, uh, a little bit about tractors is there is an attachment to do everything. I swear somewhere out there, there is a sauna attachment or a hair cutting station attachment <laughs> or, you know, a milking stand <laughs> or, you know, something there is, there is an attachment that does every single thing you can think of for a tractor. You need to pick some stuff to specialize in. So, like, uh, doing uh, irrigation. Everybody has irrigation. Everybody wants to bury their water lines. Burying water lines is great. It's going to, it, it, it gets hotter and hotter, climate change, and then we get colder and colder winters. However you want to deal with it, whether you believe in climate change or not, or you believe it's just a natural thing, how, not going to get into that argument. But um, burying your water lines makes big makes big difference in the temperature of your water and conservation of your water. So you can get a ditch witch attachment, or you can keep your eye on um, Craigslist and pick up a used ditch witch for you know uh, two thousand three thousand dollars. This sounds like a lot of money, and but you don't need to come up with hundred percent of the money right up front, right? You can always go through a a firm or a third party financing. Uh, type company like that and then do it in payments um but have a plan for it to make money before you buy it don't just wish upon a star that hey i'm gonna buy this you know three or four thousand dollar implement or three or four thousand dollar standalone machine and then uh, i'm going to then the next day uh start a a business bearing water lines oh um or putting in this or putting in that i Already go out there and, and see if there's a need for it before you buy the machine. Um, but also keep your eye on Marketplace and Craigslist for used equipment. You can always pick it up some really cheap. I just saw a uh, Bel Air, uh, the Ram. It's it's a post hole digger for rock. It's a rock digger. Oh, like, yeah. It digs straight down in rock. It's hydraulic. It ran. You need at least a, a 35 horsepower tractor, so that's a little bit bigger than all those micro tractors out there. 
to run it, but it will dig straight through granite and set posts. Um, and I was like, man, it's rocky around here. I'd love that thing. Brand new, it's it's a $17,000 piece of equipment. Um, rode hard and on Craigslist now, it's a $3,500, $4,000 piece of equipment that needs a hydraulic pump. Well, I looked at the hydraulic pump and I can find a hydraulic pump on uh, on eBay for the thing that's about 500 bucks. Uh, and it matches up with and runs from the third function on the front of the tractor. So I can get it and, you know, uh, for $4,000 completely total, have a completely working $17,000 machine and go out there and set hard posts. Those hard posts in rock, those are ones that are, you know, those are $50 holes, $50 to $100 holes. There, that, that's good money. It's going to take you a lot longer. You're not punching that hole in, in, in four minutes and moving on like you would with an auger and nice soil, but you're punching that hole in, uh, you know, uh, maybe you're doing two holes an hour. That's still 200 bucks an hour, and that's something I'll get out of bed for. Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> yeah. That's something I'll shove you out of bed for. <laughs> I'll yeah. make you coffee. I'll make you breakfast. Get on what it. else do you need? Yeah. So, like, you got to kind of look at it that way. It's like, what, what can I make with it, and how much can I make with that? And then, is it worth my time to get out of bed? Um, <clears throat> so, we got you, you got that going on for you. There's, there's, a, there's a little bit of everything. If you, um, let's say you have some acreage and you've bought a, a small, um, like, uh, baler for your, you know, you have, uh, uh, doing, you're doing micro baling on your property. So you bought a small baler um, that are just doing the mini round bales or the mini squares. Then you just, you know, you got your, your, your 20 acres and you're just doing the, the grass for your stuff. Don't just put that, take that equipment out, use it three times a year and put it away. Once you take it out, let everybody know you're available to bail. And you will come, and there, there's two ways to do this. There's the, I come and cut your hay. I set it up to dry. I put it in the windrows. And then I bail it, and I take 50% of the hay. Right? Yeah. That is a very popular way to do it. That's, uh, that's bailing on contract. And the other way is that I'll come, I'll bail it for you, and I'm going to charge you per bale of hay. So, like, the mini mini bales, they're about 250, 300 pounds. Those ones are usually going for 35 or 40 bucks, you know, if you're doing custom bailing for them, right? Uh, so, uh, or if the people are buying them here because it's a crazy drought and, and just, you're, it sucks, right? They're, they're going for 55 $60 if you're buying them off the back of a truck. So, it is cheaper for them by a lot, especially once you get over, you know, 100, 200 bales, to have you come and bail it for them, and you're just out some some diesel, some string, pretty much, and a couple hours lubing stuff up at the end of the day. So if you're gonna if you're gonna bust out your baler, bust it out, talk to your neighbors, put some ads up on Facebook, and get it. And if you if they want to do it on contract, that's fine. You take home your fifty percent of everything bailed. You stack up all the bales. You take a picture of them. Then you take half your half your pile. You take it home. You take a picture of what's what you took and what they what's left. So there's no argument with it. Yeah, and social media is your friend. And then Facebook, you start Instagram. Yeah, sell it on marketplace. Uh, you could run. Uh, you could boost a post for like forty bucks, or you could run a full ad. Like you know, generally, if you're running a full blown ad, it's a thousand dollars a month just for the ad. You can have those leads generate into a CSV file. Start calling those leads and booking appointments. 
Um, there's all kinds of stuff you could do, but social media is definitely your friend, guys. If you don't know it, learn it. Watch YouTube videos. Um, there's courses you could take that are on Google that are free, um, you know, to run Google ads. You know, just don't limit yourself. Like, there's knowledge at your fingertips. Just get at it. A good used sickle bar mower, um, they're, they're really not that expensive. Uh, you, I've found them for 500, 600 bucks. And what it does, you know, you got like, you know, a, a seven, eight foot, uh, sickle bar mower off the right or left side of your tractor. And you're able to mow around ponds. And that's been a big thing is, is upkeep around ponds for people. Mm -hmm. It's just to be able to just, just reach out there seven feet into the water and just mow down. So people can access their ponds to whether it is coming up on duck season or if they just want to fish again in that area. So doing that, that, that works out really well. And that comes, that's another way to monetize with your tractor. Hauling stuff for people, obviously digging holes for people, obviously. One thing I would strongly suggest you do not do is get into the digging ponds for people. It is a money pit for you. Uh, it's going to take three times the amount of time you think it is. It's going to take a lot of wear and tear on your vehicle, uh, on your equipment, and on yourself. And um, I just wouldn't get into it. I wouldn't do that. Uh, planting trees. Oh yeah, planting trees Huge is a good one. one. Yeah. Orchards, pecan trees. You know. Especially if you have extra room in your greenhouse and you start your own trees. Ooh, you could sell the starters and, and plant, plant them. them. Yeah. <laughs> boom, boom, boom! See, guys, we're coming at you, coming in hot. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, making a bunch of money that way. Like, hey, you buy the tree, uh, we'll come and plant it for 100 bucks. You know? Because, I mean, normally if you went over there and drilled a hole, it'd be like, what, 58, you know, 10 to 5 to $10, right? To drill, just pop a hole in the ground if it's an easy, easy hole. Um, and so you're already 10 times that amount already right off the bat. And so it's going to cover your gas to get there and back. But don't, like, like... Don't do that if they're they, they're six counties over. Right? Yeah, it's gonna take you forever to get there. Yeah, it's two hundred and fifty miles. Yeah. They bought ten trees, you know. So, oh great, you're gonna get make make a thousand dollars on that, but you got your wear and tear in your truck, your time, your everything else all involved in it. Funny, I read a news story last week or the last podcast when, as I was prepping. Um, I read a news story that there's now more road rage against tractors on the highways and stuff. Like, people have no patience for them. So that you want to consider, too. If you're driving six counties out, it's not going to be fun with everybody harassing you and hon and honking at you yeah. the whole way. Uh, I would advise people that if, you, if, if somebody hits you from behind in your tractor to grab your neck and scream like a... <laughs> 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 that, like, uh, like, I mean, you, you, if, if they hit... My giant tractor with flashing lights going down the highway at little like 30 miles an hour to get to the next field over, right? And I'm well within my rights to be able to do it, uh, to use those roads as a right away to get from one point to another. Now, I'm not getting in my tractor and I'm driving to Walmart. I'm getting in my tractor and I'm going down the county road, maybe a mile, a mile and a half to get somewhere else. I will pay for my farm with cash after that. Because <laughs> they will hit me, and they, I, the EMS guys, fire department's got to show up and extract me out of the tractor. Because <laughs> I, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you've just kicked me in the face. I can't feel it. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was just a reflex. It's a reflex. It's a fair reflex. <laughs> You're going to drop me. But, uh, yeah, no, I, like, yeah. 
get impatient and see what happens. Yeah. So, uh, and it's not going to really do a lot of damage to the backside of my tractor. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting story, how it's literally, like, tripled within the past couple of years as far as why. accidents with tractors and stuff. I'm Everybody's like, oh. in such a hurry. Yeah. So, uh, we've kind of, I don't know. What else kind of fun stuff can we do Let's with the dang tractor? We, you talked about clearing brush. You oh, talked about log mowing. splitters on the oh, back yeah. of the tractor. Big one. Uh, for people with firewood, uh, to go out there and uh, split, like, big logs that they down a lot of people don't have a log splitter like for doing like a big hydraulic splitter for doing a bunch of like big stuff the log splitter hydraulic uh attachment are cheap they're real cheap hits on your three-point hitches the hitch in the back and you can rock and roll with that little guy and split the living crap out of a bunch of stuff um and so that one's really that one's a good one split and stack some firewood it's a good workout for you it's a good workout for them i still do 100 bucks an hour for that uh, because you're going to be able to do a ton of wood if you're not screwing around for 100 bucks an hour. And I, I tell them before I do a job like this, if you do a little prep on your end, it's going to save you a lot of money when it comes to the bill. So if they have already cut the wood with their chainsaws to a width that they like, like say they want 24-inch logs, and they've already cut this giant tree up to 24-inch rounds, pieces but they can't split them from there that's great i will go ahead and roll that thing up there onto the tractor the log splitter split it and stack it for them from there if they just have a giant tree on the ground i'm gonna tell them okay i'll pull out my chainsaw but um this is gonna get expensive to you pretty quick if you have a smaller tractor like say a uh, 25 horsepower and under Right? Uh, so, like the smaller Mahindras, the smaller um, John Deere's, like the John Deere, uh, I think it's a 1025R, stuff like that, um, and under. You can you can go and mow just all sorts of places you couldn't really get the big, big mower into. Speaking of mowers, y'all ever wanted to have one of those, um, what are those called? Those really cool lawnmowers that you sit in the front of them, the zero turns? Yeah, the zero turn lawnmowers. Those if, are fun. Yeah, they are a lot of fun. If you own a zero turn lawnmower and you are not cutting other people's lawns with it, it's literally just wasting money. Yeah. Because, one, they're ridiculously nimble. You can get them in anywhere. You can tow the thing it's on a fun, trailer with easy. a golf cart. Yeah. Right? Like, so you can tow it wherever you want it needed to go. They sip fuel. They're really easy. They've got cup holders. You got plenty of places to put your beer. And uh, they're really, really, really good at getting very close to places, which minimizes the amount of edging that you need to do. So mowing some lawns or having your uh, teenage child, like, mow some lawns uh, and mowing some right-of-ways with it. Like, if it's just a little right-of-way, like through an orchard, something like that. Yeah. Rock and roll it. Uh, set the height up real high if you're going to mow in an orchard so you don't scald the ground. Right, so you don't mow so low that you. Everybody wants to mow and look like a golf course. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is the golf courses just dump water constantly, like an inch a day of water onto the grass because the grass is you know knee knee high to a grasshopper, so it just doesn't have it doesn't have any ability to shade itself and keep the ground cool. So if you go out there and you're mowing 
in between somebody's orchard, they're not going to be happy with you if they go out there in the day and all the grass is dead and brown because you mowed it at the minimum setting. You want to mow it high. So it's all one even thing, but about, you know, look, look uh, between shin and the top of your foot. Yeah. You know, so like ankle high. Uh, that way, it's got enough yeah. resiliency and it creates enough shade that it doesn't die off. And do a good job so that you can, you know, now create like a recurring agreement with anybody and come out every month or every other week or whatever it is. And you don't know. You Maybe, maybe this guy's got a... Uh, you know, knows somebody else has a family or there's a church that he knows that needs a, needs a regular lawnmower guy. And you show up over there and now, hey, look, you're the community lawnmower dude. And now you've made enough money to, uh, you know, that, that, that it's good. Just put that money back into your equipment and buy another piece of equipment and expand from there. But every piece of equipment you have, you should find a way to monetize it. If you want to go out there, I have my eye on a new dump trailer. Like, uh, oh, the hydraulic one. The hydraulic dump yeah. trailer, yeah. I have my eye on a new hydraulic dump trailer. Because, one, I can drive my uh, smaller tractor up into it and haul it wherever I need to go. Two, I can um, uh, drive the lawnmower up into it and haul it wherever I need to go. Three, I can haul anything I want. Because it has the, the rollover top on it. I'm not worried about anything blowing out. So we can use it to move ourselves. We can use it to move... All of the stuff we need to go and set up at a farmer's markets with it because it's got the tall, solid sides. Um, we can harvest tons of fruit and vegetables with it. We yep. can haul, you know, where we're moving, we're only how far, like three or four miles from that feedlot? Yeah, three or four miles. From yeah, three feedlot. or four miles from that feedlot. And I'm planning on going over there and then just being like, so which pile of poo is mine? And, <laughs> and just like, you know, taking the dump trailer and getting as much as I can. Well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well, hey, you know, I can get you a load of good, dump, like, you know, a good poo if uh, you want to, uh, you know, want me to do a garden bed for you? Great. I'll show up. I'll, how big a garden bed? Oh, you want to do a, a 36 foot by, you know, a 20 foot. Okay, great. Uh, so, you know, you already, you already figure, oh, okay, I've got my uh, six foot that's going to be about 30 passes back and forth with the tiller on passes five and passes nine. I'm going to, you know, spread poo out there and till it in really good so it gets very good, very good worked into the soil. So, uh, but that's another, another service you can offer. Hey, I'll come out there and spread uh, some, uh, you know, steer manure out there or horse manure or whatever you want, whatever, depending on whatever animals are there. Uh, out there for X, you know, for another 150 bucks. Is it going to cost you 150 bucks? No. If you get it for free, great. You know, all you do then that when you're just hauling it somewhere, scooping it out of the you know dump trailer, have your dump trailer up a little bit, and then have it just dump right into the bucket of your 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 tractor, and uh, so you can just take it out there and spread it as you back up. Yeah. But uh, works out really really well. I think that'll work great. I I really want one of those dump trailers, honey. Like wink, wink, hint, hint, <laughs> hinty, wink. Christmas, okay. Yeah. Um, and then also too, just be careful where you're digging. Um, you know, if you're going to dig deep holes, use the utility or other services available near you that can tell you what's underground before you start digging. Yeah, here it's four one one dig or something like that or six one one. 
It's 411 tells you where the... So check your local ordinances, yeah. you know, and figure out, you know, what the game plan is. If some places um, might require insurance that you carry some type of insurance. So look into that. Yeah, most of that uh, liability stuff is really not that expensive. Yeah. Um, and again, if you're going to use, if you're going to work your equipment, it's going to pay for itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, when it comes to tilling, I wouldn't worry so much about that. I would worry about... Hey, do you guys have a septic system, and where is it at? Because I don't want to run over it and fall into it. Yeah. Uh, secondly, is that um, you're tilling, you're only tilling down, you know, six or eight inches into the dirt. So you're really not digging deep enough to hit a phone line or a buried anything like that. Those are usually three or four feet in the ground, uh, at least around here, uh, you know. So. Yeah. So you don't really have to worry too much about that. It is very nice to know. And those people at uh, three one one dig, it's three one one, I think. Those just look up. I can't. I, I, I'm gonna just give them a bunch of numbers until we know <laughs> which one it is. Just put three one one dig. Let's see what that, what that says. Uh, eight eight one one. Eight one one. In Texas, anyway, it's eight one one. All right, so. If you add the last two together, <laughs> I'm still one off. Yeah. <laughs> so I was at 411 to 311. Okay. So, yeah, I was totally wrong. My bad, guys. Um, but they have nothing better to do. They don't charge you to come out there and find the, lo the, the buried stuff. They just do it. They already get paid to do it. And if you're not having them come out and locate stuff for you, then all they're doing is sitting around and drinking coffee and cashing a paycheck. Uh, so you might as well make them work for the dollar. Works out really well, and you're gonna you're gonna get, you'll save you'll put the liability off of you and onto them. Uh, so that's gonna help quite a bit. Definitely smart thing to do if you're gonna go ahead and dig holes. Uh, so we have covered our tractor. We've covered hey, it's cool to get a badass lawnmower if you're actually gonna use it for something. Uh, if you don't want to use it for something, that's fine too. But there, there's there, you're just leaving so much money on the table. Uh, to, to mow a lawn with a uh, riding lawnmower is just so short, such a few minutes, um, that it's, it's really, it's, it's more of a fun thing to do to get out of the house than it is actually work. Um, we've covered uh, tractors tilling, we've covered uh, trailers. So if you have a trailer, like a big flatbed trailer, you got a big old dually uh, truck, dually truck of some type. Um, I've seen a lot of people do hot shots, so they pick up equipment, like heavy equipment that people buy, and they move it from one place to another. Um, that works out really well for them. I've seen people move people's RVs. I'm not gonna want to do that. Um, that's a lot of liability, I think, because some some of these people are buying these RVs like sight unseen. Right, they're just buying them off of, and you show up, you know, buying them off of a Craigslist ad or a marketplace ad, and they might be 200 miles away from where they buy this RV. Well, that's cool. You're gonna make a few thousand dollars to go pick up that RV and take it over to them, but you arrive to find out that it's not in towable condition. So now you've just gone, you know, 100 miles out of your way to go and pick up an RV that that can't be moved. So you're out the money. So in those kind of situations, they need to have something in place to make sure that you get reimbursed for your mileage one way or the other um so when you get i think we're almost done with outside tools 
Like chainsaws, you know, come on, brush clearing, yeah. land clearing, tree trimming, things like that. Wood chippers. Wood chipper. Big thing if you have a wood chipper is, uh, you know, clearing brush for people, chipping the, chipping the stuff. Uh, if I would, if I had a wood chipper that was like PTO or hooked up to my tractor, I'm shooting those chips into the bed of my truck or into the trailer. Because I'm saving them, taking them home. Garden bed. And putting them in yeah, a garden bed. very pretty in garden beds. Uh because I know what I chipped, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if, it, if it's if it's cedar or something like that, I'm just rotating the head so it shoots it to the other side. But if it's oak or something's going to decompose really nicely and decompose well and add something to my soil, I'm saving those chips. Yeah. Right? So that works really well. Also, a uh, chipper is a beautiful way to get rid of cactus. You can take... Oh, cactus clearing is a big one up around here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got these prickly pears. They get like six feet tall. They are not But fun. you can cut those guys up and throw them with a pitchfork into the chipper, and they just turn to, like, uh, goo. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. They just turn to, like... I feel like aloe, like, the, yeah, they like just, the jelly aloe. They just grow. They just shoot out of there as gel, which um, is seems like it would be a big mess. As soon as you are done, the last thing you want... If, if you're going to chip all, chip a bunch of stuff all day... The last thing you chip is the cactus, right? Don't chip your cactus first and then chip wood all day as you're going to gum up everything inside of there with all the juice, right? And as soon as you're done chipping your cactus, you turn your machine off and you let it cool down and you take it to the car wash and you turn it back on and spray it out. Yeah. Don't let it run hot full of juice. The juice has a lot of sugar. It, it'll caramelize in there and it'll turn super sticky and be miserable to get out. While if you turn it off and take it directly somewhere to, to wash it right off like aloe vera would wash off your skin. Super easy to get rid of at that point. Um, and it's good to just chip it back into the soil. It's not, it's not going to regrow unless you're chipping like the mature seeds. But like the pads when they're chipped, they're not going to regrow. But it just puts it all right back into the soil. So it's super good for the soil. Um, also, too, when I mentioned uh, social media earlier, I forgot to mention, like, join your local uh, Facebook pages, Facebook groups, um, farmers groups, neighborhood groups, you know, um, that way you can post your, you know, services on there if allowed. I know a lot of them have a lot of rules, um, but, um, yeah, that would be a good way because for us, we are the first ones that will be moving where there are literally, what, 72 lots for sale around us? That are yeah, you know, they're all like you know the five ten acre range. Yeah, uh, so um, you know, like we're gonna create a Facebook page and you know, or join the local neighborhood groups and stuff that are around us and provide services. We you should know? make that first. Yeah, we so should make that, that first. I'm gonna own that. I'm the king of the hill. Yeah, so that yeah. way that nobody else could go in there. You guys can't promote yourself. We'll You're be promote, not in my club. I'll be promoting the living crap yeah. out of us. Hey, we're already been, we're already here and we know what kind of soil you got. You probably need some fences. You need to put that mailbox in. I'll just shoot on over there with the tractor and do it for you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> be a hundred bucks for that hole and some concrete and rock and roll. So, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do uh, with your tractor. If you don't have a tractor, get a tractor. Everybody needs a tractor. Tractors Everybody are needs a tractor. Uh, and right now they're desperate as living crap to sell tractors. So, um, and, like, take advantage of it. I think what Mahindra is right now doing... Um, 84 months uh, interest, 0% interest. Wow. 
That's free money. Yeah. You can get a decent size, you know, uh, what is it, a 25 horsepower uh, tractor for, for $260 a month for Mahindra. Not a super Mahindra fan. Uh, Coyote, big fan. Sponsor Coyote. Coyote. Yeah, Coyote. Would love Shout to be out. sponsored by you or TYM. Would love that. TYM Branson or uh, Coyote. Um, Coyote's got a 84 months, uh, you know, packages where they're, they're, they're giving you the, the tractor, a box blade. A box blade and how a box blade works is a big square, a three-sided box, goes on your three-point hitch and use it to condition roads or flatten areas, right? So when I say condition roads, you put the box blade down, you put a little bit of pressure on it, and you drag it. And what happens is that all all the, the gravel and everything comes up out of your road into your box blade, spins around in the back of it a little bit, and then bumps out, putting it back down, but it buries the dirt. So now you've taken a gravel driveway that looks like it has, um, like it, it's mostly dirt, you drag your box blade across it a couple of times, and it's back to gravel driveway. It's pretty cool. It's just road conditioning. It's uh, it's a big thing. It pays really well. Um, it's very easy on you uh, because you're just driving a tractor straight line with a beer and uh, you know a piece of jerky and just call it a day. And it looks really cool to them, so they really like it. Um, doing that works really well. Uh, so the, but they give you a box blade with it, uh, five foot uh, brush cutter, so a rotary cutter, so which means you could you're already in business. They'll cut in right ways, mowing lawns, stuff like. I'm shredding, not mowing, because it's not going to be as pretty as a mower. Uh, and then like a post hole digger, and um, I think that's pretty much all they throw in. Uh, now, John Deere, the Greenies, are doing 72 months, zero uh, percent interest. On anything under a 40 horsepower so uh, you know which tractors better uh, I know which ones do better at certain things honestly any tractor you buy is going to, to be able to do more than what you think it can and more than what you are probably going to ask it to do um, tractors are very very sturdy we've had them for you know, a couple hundred years, uh, everybody knows, everybody can build a really nice tractor. The difference is, is who is close to you? If there is a John Deere tractor dealership a couple miles from you, I'd probably buy a John Deere because you need a good relationship with your dealership. So if something breaks, yep. it's under warranty and they can come pick it up, drop it off, everything else, uh, and, or, you know, vice versa. If you buy a for us, I'm a huge TYM Branson fan, but dealership is, uh, oh man, what is it, 250 miles away? And uh, so if something happens to my TYM or to Branson, then just TYM brought, bought Branson, then I am out an yeah, entire wow. day. I have to drag that tractor all the way back over there. Or hope that uh, they have a truck headed my way or vice versa back that way. So, it's one of those things. There's a Coyote dealership about 30 miles away. I like Coyote tractors. I like the fact that they build their own engines, their own everything, all in the same place. Same, And they have the highest lifting at the pins of any of the tractors. They're great. They're, they're really good. Uh, third function valve is included mostly in those right off the bat. 
So, and two, two hydraulic points, ports in the back, which is very, very nice, allowing you to run all sorts of cool hydraulic equipment right off the bat. So, and they're cheaper. The problem is with, my only problem with John Deere is that John Deere, you pay, it's like the difference between buying a Nike something and then like a Sears brand, right? Like Sears brand sneak, sneakers versus uh, Nikes. Is it, do they both do the same thing? Yes. Do they weigh about the same? Yep. Do they wear, have the same material? Yep. What's one got different? The other. The brand. The swoosh. So you're paying more for uh, the John Deere stuff. Now we'll go ahead and say John Deere, you guys are not very nice for getting mad at everybody and changing all your hitches to being proprietary. A while back, there was a lawsuit about the right to repair and uh, John Deere lost that. What they had done is they had sold all these people these million dollar big threshing machines and million dollar big tractors. And then they had locked the, the, the software down to where, and they would not sell the software to anybody so that you would have to, if something happened to your machine, pay for a tech to come out there, hook up the machine to it, say, yeah, it's broken. And you did not have the right to repair. You couldn't touch your own machine. You couldn't do anything to it. And the machine tattled on you if you even opened it because everything was had little magnets on it. So like if you broke the magnetic seal, it would send an alert, an alert to the wow. dealership that, hey, this guy's changing his own oil. Stupid crap like that. So they ended up losing uh, a, a deal of right to repair. So what they did is instead of having universal quick attachments to everything, like everybody else does, everybody else. They went full Apple? They went full Apple. And they um, they changed their bucket. A John Deere bucket is not compatible with anybody else. John Deere bucket's not compatible with anything but John Deere. Any John Deere attachments are only compatible with John Deere. If you want to have a different, if you want a John Deere to use a different attachments, you'd have to buy a pre-angry John Deere or uh, weld or fabricate your own uh, hitches to uh, go on the front so you can do everything else. Most everybody else, like Coyote, TYM, uh, Mahindra, they all use the, um, the the generic skid steer quick attach uh, system yep. on the front, which, al which allows, because it's just two little levers that flip up, you put it in there, boom, you're done. You can... You don't even have to get off your tractor except to knock the two levers back uh, to drop or pick up an implement. It's super, super fast. It's very, very easy. Um, and it allows you to use not only your uh, regular like attachments, but also your a lot of the skid steer attachments. So if you find a skid steer attachment you like, as long as your hydraulic pump will run it, so you've got the low speed attachments and high speed attachments. Almost all tractors are gonna be low speed attachments because the skid steers are designed to have really high speed hydraulic pumps. And that's what that big bulky back end on that thing is, is a massive hydraulic machine. So on a skid steer. But if you use the low speed hydraulic attachments, you can run pretty much anything. So if you find some cheap attachments, very likely you'll be able to run them as long as you have a third function. So really cool because so like basically tractors are like Barbies for adults. There's every imaginable accessory you could possibly <laughs> get and put it with them. Okay, I think I've probably tracted the crap out of you people today. Um, let's talk about other things you can monetize. Let's go inside the house. So let's talk a little bit about your freeze dryers, honey, and that's one of the things you do. Yep. 
Uh, freeze dryers. So you can, we talked about it briefly in another episode, but you can freeze dry a lot of things. Um, and it's really cool and it's becoming really relevant because people are looking to store more and more food just in case anything happens. Um, they're not really trusting what's going on right now, uh, especially in the U.S. So just some things to be aware of and some things that you should know that you can freeze dry. So uh, rice, you know, if you cook rice, like in my household, we cook a lot of Spanish rice. So um, I have some freeze dried bags of Spanish rice. You can sell those and monetize those. Um, you know, put it, seal them and, and store them correctly, right? In the big Mylar bags with no windows. Um, and then with an oxygen absorber inside, uh, seal them up really good and, you know, label them and you can sell those. Um, cause freeze dried meals, like I went to, where do we go? Um, that they had those Bass Pro, Bass Bass Pro. Pro Shop, right? Yeah. They're like eight bucks a meal. Or, for the or, cheapies. For the cheapies, yeah. Even like a, a freeze-dried ice cream sandwich was like five bucks. And I'm like, dang, you know, if I could do them for four bucks, you know, great. Everybody wins. You know, it's a little bit less. Um, but anyway, um, so well, freeze-dried meals. It would cost us, what, $6.70 to run the free, big freeze-dryer. Yeah. For, a, for the full cycle, which is like 24 hours. Right. So... Uh, if you can, you're making that back in your first, right? Like you could fit what 40 some odd sandwiches in that thing, yep. So, and the less water it has in it, the the food item, the the quicker it's going to freeze dry. Um, so you could do meals, you could do soups, you could do um, uh, beans and rice, you could do um, chicken, you could do chicken, all kinds of stuff, meat, eggs, meat is a big Me thing. meat is a big thing. So, if you guys are familiar, uh, there's a company I can't think of the name off the top of my head because I don't use them, I don't have to because I make my own freeze dry meals. Um, it's Mountain House, and then there's another one with the one with the red buckets. Anyway, um, one, they're usually a lot of times out of stock because they're running their freeze dryers they can't keep up with the demand so that's a good sign right when you see something that can't keep up with the demand say hey i'll lend you a helping hand you know and then purchase that's a good indication that you should be purchasing that equipment to provide that same type of of service or product um and so they sell like the buckets you know they're they're always sold out and plus they're really expensive so they'll have buckets of storage for like 30 days food storage for 30 days it's not it's really like, for 30 days it's I'd not really it I've, yeah. I've opened those, the ready-made resource, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, and they, um, like, maybe, if you, it, it would be 30 days if you were an, an anorexic child, <laughs> and sitting in a basement or somewhere, and not doing any physical activity, but it, it's based off a 1,200-calorie diet, a starvation diet, mm -hmm. right? So, it's 30 days of times 1,200 calories per day. Uh, so if you're if you're trying to maintain everything, cut that in half, fifteen yeah. days. If you're out there in a survival situation, you know, digging holes, making food, everything like that, you have a bigger cut family. it in half again. Yeah. So you know the thirty day supply is realistically a seven to ten days. Yeah. And those buckets are, you know, they range anywhere from like 170 to 250 bucks, just depending on what it is. Oh, way more um, than that now. Yeah, that I, was, I can imagine. Let me check. Actually, that, that was that was pre-Obama days. That was, those were, that is called ready-made resources. Let's see. Yeah, they're gonna be the Mountain House and the ready-made resources, but now they're all about selling night vision instead of food. Because I think they ran out of food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they got uh, emergency storage foods up there in the right. Okay, there sorry, you go. I didn't see it. Sorry about that. All right, but yeah, these 
Um, one thing that uh, I have people or friends that have done is bought a freeze dryer and then gone to their local hospital and gotten a deal to do breast milk. Wow, they range anywhere. So the bags range anywhere from 170 to $605. Yeah, the $605 ones are the ones that are uh, like a month supply, honey. Yeah, and this is a whole cow freeze dried. <laughs> They're tenderloin, tenderloin cubes. cubes. Just Interesting. Tenderloin. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but either way, like it's definitely more cost effective for you to buy your own freeze dryers and store your own food. Um, and then sell your own products, you know, neighbors, communities, you know, people that just want to have some extra food storage to, just in case, or, you know, people that just are out in the wilderness a lot, like hiking and, you know, boating or whatever, and they could take ready-made meals that they just have to reconstitute by adding water and you have a nice cooked meal, you know? Oh, it works just amazingly well. We've eaten many of the ones mm -hmm. that we've done. Uh, one of the things I really like is doing like, is barbecuing or smoking a bunch of chicken. And then taking the chicken and cutting it up and then freeze drying it. It's not only got a really interesting texture when it comes out of the freeze dryer. It looks like styrofoam peanuts. Yeah. Uh, which is really neat. It doesn't weigh crap. So whatever chicken's on sale, you can do a bunch of it. I say chicken because chicken's very low fat. Fat will go rancid. Yeah. Uh, in the freeze drying process. So it goes the chicken breasts without any sort of fat on them uh, when they're freeze dried are good for 20, 25 years. Uh, now, uh, it, you know, an airtight, um, watertight packaging with an oxygen absorber in it. Now, if you take, um, like a steak that's got fat and stuff in it and freeze dry, it's only good for a couple months just because the fat will eventually go rancid very much quicker than it would any other way. Um, now one of the really cool things is a trick that I've done before to show people just kind of like, Hey, this is really cool is you freeze dry steaks, right? Just like ribeyes. And then you, you take them out, and you just like, and they look almost the same as like they came out of the package, right? They're still red colored, they're, but now the, 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 the ribeye doesn't weigh anything at all. It, 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 you know, a one pound ribeye maybe, maybe weighs like an ounce. Um, and you take it and you kind of like knock it against something, like, ah oh, man, you broke the stakes. Well, uh, I saw this on YouTube, the, the, I think it's a Guggen food guy, uh, is he took them and rehydrated them in butter. Oh, nice. <laughs> Heck yeah. He used melted butter to rehydrate the steaks and then grilled the steaks. One thing about freeze-drying is freeze-drying does not sterilize anything. If it was contaminated when you put it in there, it's contaminated when it comes out. Uh, it's just that everything is now dormant until you add water to it. Mm -hmm. So it had E. coli going in. Once you rehydrate it, it has E. coli again, right? Makes sense? Yeah. All you did was just put a pause on that bacteria. So you definitely want to make sure that you're safe with that. And uh, touching back on the breast milk thing is there was a, there was a friends they go to you're not going to get a big hospital to do it, but these little rural uh, hospitals like small town hospital or clinics is that they'll uh, they get more breast milk donated than they um, actually need, right? Like they get they they end up dumping a lot of it. Well, you can take and freeze dry it for, let's say, a dollar an ounce. You just need to keep very good, like, they'll have a number system on there. Just keep the same number system. The number is the donor and the date, right? Well, you know, you can use the same donor and then, like, a week spread a date. So you got, like, seven days there. So you could put a gallon of breast milk per tray on the large trays. 
and freeze dry those per donor, right? And uh, it works out really, really well. Like yeah. it works out really well. You make uh, make good money that way. Yeah. And a dollar an ounce when it's freeze dried. Uh, you know, you got sixty four ounces on a you know, or one hundred and twenty eight ounces on a tray. It's under twenty eight bucks per tray. Yeah. And so it's also going to help you guys reduce waste. So that's going to be another way to save money because I freeze dry apples, which my daughter loves to snack on. And I can put them put them away, and they'll be there forever. I don't have any apples that I'm throwing out at the end of the week because they've gotten bad. You know, I'm freeze drying them. I don't have to go buy more apples because I already have apples. And you can you use know. a regular dehydrator for yeah. that too. Make fruit leathers. Exactly, you can do fruit leathers. So. Um, any excess fruit and veggies that you have, any leftovers that you have, you could freeze dry. Um, and then, or, you know, just meal prep meals that you could freeze dry and sell to people. Um, that would be really good. You'd have to find out what your restrictions are in your local community for, or your state laws are for purchasing a freeze dried food or to sell it. But yeah, um, you might end up going over like Texas. We have a cottage industry yeah. laws. So there's quite a bit of stuff we can get away with, mm -hmm. um, that you can't in a lot of other states, uh, especially like communist states like California. Huh. Where everything is illegal, breathing. And actually, even here, like when I was um, heavily looking into, I mean, we haven't really gone deep into selling freeze-dried food because we don't, we don't have our farm yet, you know? So we're currently working on it. So we haven't been able to really, uh, really bury our roots, you know, and, and get in there. And so the minute that we do, you know, we'll start a whole, you know, I'll, I'll start actively being sell you know start selling uh freeze-dried meals um but i will have to get a specific license and when i looked into it before um i was you know pleasantly surprised at how inexpensive it was i was really thinking that it was going to be in the thousands and it wasn't um and so i'm like okay cool i think it was like 250 dollars yeah it you was know. really pretty cheap it was really cheap so don't let that you know requirement deter you like dig in there find out what it is See how you can make it happen, and then see how you can turn around and make your money back from it. And now you have, you let's say you bought a freeze dryer, and we're—I mean, it sounds like we're freeze dryer fanboys because we kind of are. Um, yeah. And that's only because one. Okay, it, there's an old uh, saying: is it when you old own a hammer, everything looks like a nail? Yeah. Yeah. And so we have two. We have we have a, we have a, a fleet of freeze dryers, and so everything looks like it needs to be freeze dried. Hey, my socks didn't come out of the dryer just the way I want them. Freeze dryer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a work event and I uh, took freeze dried Skittles, you know, just as a little treat. Everybody's blown away. It was now, so cool. Freeze dried candy because it's yeah. already prepared. You can freeze dry it and sell that, and there's no restrictions. On yeah. That shit. There's a lot of uh, people that are freeze drying candy and selling that. I'm not, eh, I'd rather do uh, fresh veggies, meals. Kid snacks. Yeah. Kid snacks, healthy uh, kid snacks, the, you know. The, the animal snacks, the dog and cat snacks, mm -hmm. where they're taking liver, yeah, which beef is liver. cheap. Yeah. Right? It's real cheap. Uh, and they're taking beef liver and slicing up the cubes and freeze drying it. And then they're selling like a little four ounce bag, which is basically one whole liver. And people are buying it because they love their For animals. like $28 or 30 yeah. bucks. And I'm yeah. like, wow, you could fit. If you're going to do that, though, I highly recommend you having a dedicated freeze dryer for. Yeah. Beef liver. You're yeah, gonna, I, you're I, you don't want to do your fruit. Smell. Yeah, you don't want to do your fruit <laughs> and your beef liver in the Ooh, same freeze dryer. Livery, livery strawberries. strawberries. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> not cool. Yeah, no, 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 no
So, uh, but other than that, I mean, like, oh, and then once you get, like, let's say you got a freeze dryer, now you can do classes and charge people, like, you know, 50 to 100 bucks. Come to a class for freeze drying, and then you'll take, then give them, like, oh, hey, you'll take a couple samples of freeze dried mm -hmm. stuff. Um, this is how to operate a freeze dryer, maintain a freeze dryer, do the oil change on it, um, prep your foods, clean it. Yeah. Do a little walkthrough for them. You know, it, maybe, it, maybe it takes you two hours. And then they, everybody takes home a couple of snacks or tries a bunch of different freeze-dried foods. Mm -hmm. And now your name gets out there, right? Yeah. And everybody also, has a great time. renting it, right? Quote, unquote, renting I it. I not. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. not saying, like, rent it, like, to give it out. But, like, there, they, I have been approached with people that say, hey, if I buy 40, 40 pounds of food, how much would you charge me to freeze-dry it for me? And people have been approaching me about that. So, I mean, that's another way to make money. Generally, uh, I think the going rate of the, the bed, oh, the... Facebook page for all this is like Betty's Harvest Right hey, Betty. Freeze Drying Group. Yeah, I think we're, a, we're in your group. We love you guys. Yeah, is that that's the group. It's a little bit uh, sensitive people in there. Yeah. So don't go in there and be like, I'm going to just murder this cow and put the whole thing through the freeze dryer. They, they won't They won't appreciate that. Uh, you got to be a little, little bit more tactful. Very sensitive people that are in there. Uh, but uh, they have, they do have a, a bunch of really good ideas and a real bunch of really good troubleshooting things. Mm -hmm. So they're a great, great resource as long as you can, you know, control. They also sell uh, components. Yeah, like, they um, sell, they sell like uh, these little, I guess, what, what would you say they are? Like the little stackers? The, the tray stackers. They yeah. just 3D tray print Tray stackers, them. they 3D yeah. print tray stackers, and then it makes it so where you can add more trays to your freeze dryer runs, which is pretty cool because... The standard one, like we have the small and the medium. The, the we small have the one. Medium and the oh, large. Sorry, the medium and the large. Um, the medium one, how many is that? Five trays? Five. I want to say five trays. Yeah. And the large is like seven or eight trays. But they're um, way bigger. But they're way bigger trays, right? So more volume. Like um, the medium is the size of a dorm room fridge, and the large is the size of like a wine fridge. Yeah. Like, you know, like a. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Um, so if you're gauging how much space it would take up in your home, um, we are actually creating a butler's pantry in our new home. And so we'll have our freeze dryers in our butler's pantry, along with, you know, the Mylar bags, the oxygen absorbers, like a full setup. And that's what I've been lacking is, you know, my ability to have like a full setup um, so that I can get organized and really hit it hard. Um, so as soon as I do have access to that, like weekend time money, here we go, you know. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, they they work out. They work really really well. Um, but you know, monetize everything you possibly can with them. Uh, other things are like you know, if you happen to be good at pressure canning, do oh, some yeah. classes. There's like so many people ask I've, me about canning. Yeah, whenever I've uh, I've advertised that, hey, I'm gonna be doing some canning. People are like, oh man, I really want to learn. It, it's one of those things. It's it's difficult to learn from reading. But really easy to learn from watching. Right. Uh, and so I've done tons and tons of, cla uh, of classes on pressure canning. And it's really fun and easy. And you can make it as fun and easy. If you like talking to people and interacting with people, and you can be somewhat sociable for two hours, you can do a, a canning class yeah. and make some money at it. And you're not limited to, like, having people go to your house and teach them canning. Like, no, you can do a, you can create a sales funnel run an ad, generate leads, and then have them show up to your class and pay X amount to be able to show up to your class and do a live class, I a live you, virtual I, class. I bet you, you know? all couldn't even ever figure out what the heck Vanessa does for a living. <laughs> She's a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> no. What, what do I do for a living, honey? Uh, stuff on computers? Yeah. 
that involves sales funnels and setting no, up stuff? No, no, no. So um, I do have a marketing background, but um, my current role is in cybersecurity. So. Yeah. So it's like she's always using all these big fancy words. I'm just <laughs> but, like, you know, I'm just giving you ideas. Like, don't limit yourself to like having people over at your home, you know, open that open that gate wider and, and, you know, have a couple of hundred people show up to a virtual class. I've always tried to go to their location. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't want everybody and their mom coming over to our house. Yeah. Because the problem is, is that whenever we've had a farm and we've had everything going on, as people come over and they see how well set up everything is, they go, hey, if anything happens, I'm going to show up here. Well, not only like, that, no, but then you can't. No, no, can't, no. No, yeah, no, no, Yeah, but no. then when you're the cool kid, like, then they keep coming and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. dude, I just want to relax today. Like, I don't want any company. I'm out of social currency. I've been on the phone all day. Like, no. Yeah. And so uh, we're very, like, private people as far as that goes. Um, but we'll definitely, um, my husband has been hired to give talks and speeches and classes and groups and um, tours of farms, you know, um, all kinds of stuff. And so, yeah, that we definitely, he got paid very well to do those types of um, classes. Lots of fun. I travel yeah, around it's fun. doing them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else are we missing? You've got uh, your regular, um, your regular dehydrator. I mean, yeah. kid snacks kid out snacks, the wazoo. Beef jerky, guys. Spices. Beef jerky. Spices is a good one. Oh, oh yeah, we beef have jerky. we have our smoker too to yeah. talk about. Yeah. So yeah. So in the dehydrator, we could do beef jerky. We would do um, uh, freeze dried. Uh, so I, my husband's also a mycologist, and he creates. Uh, we we can grow our own gourmet mushrooms. So it was really cool at one point because um, we just went down this rabbit hole, and this is this is literally our lives. We're like, oh, hey, I wonder what you could do. How how do you grow mushrooms? And you know, people were popping up with mushroom farms and as an extra alternative food source, which is really cool. Um, so it's it's a source of protein. Um, so we were very interested in that because obviously we're, you know, subtly we're preppers, but, you know, you're we're like low key preppers, what? like cool kid preppers. Uh, so anyway, so it really interested us. <laughs> it really interested us when we uh, learned about, you know, uh, mushroom farming and, you know, people growing portobello mushrooms and things like that. And so um, I had my own shiitake block in the kitchen. And, uh, shiitake are money. One, they're expensive when you go to the grocery store and buy them. They're easy um, to grow. Two, like, if you haven't noticed that your local, like, bougie grocers, like, they now have, like, ours does anyway. We have a central market here in San Antonio, and they actually have their own, like, uh, uh, mushroom, like, grow area. And they grow, they have different variations of mushrooms, but they're quite pricey, you know. Um, so I had my own shiitake mushrooms growing out of my kitchen. And it was really cool because I was able to cut them off. And like as I'm cooking, like, you know, fried rice or whatever, I throw in like a fresh shiitake or as I'm cooking a steak. And it was like the coolest thing ever. Um, that so was that was a, really that, neat. That'd be its own but freeze drying them. Um, you can make a lot of money with yeah, that. Yeah. Freeze drying them worked out really well uh, because my husband, when I. Um, when I was pregnant, I had a very tough pregnancy, so he would freeze-dry mushrooms and create these soups for me, and everything was freeze-dried in there, and I would just add water, and it was the best Asian soup ever. I don't even know what, what, what to call it. 
know. Just magical. Magic. <laughs> it was amazing, and it was light on my stomach. But the point is, is that we were, you know, if you open up it like a ramen, like ramen. Yeah, if you open up a ramen noodle package, or not ramen noodle. What's the one that we like? Shin black. Yeah. If you open black. up a shin black package, you'll see that there's little pieces of mushroom in there. And so that's freeze-dried mushrooms because um, in the Asian stores, you can also find freeze-dried mushrooms. Um, and you'll just cut them up, reconstitute, or if they're cut up already, they're diced up, reconstitute with water, and you have fresh mushrooms again. And it was really awesome. So, um, yeah, that was one thing that we did that was cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That'd be its own episode, though. Yeah. I mean, there, there is quite a bit of money to be made from, like... Uh, Mushroom farms. Yeah. And not necessarily actually growing the product yourself, but selling the kits. Yep, selling the kits. I mean, you know, people have whatever variation of mushroom they want to grow. That's not your... My husband has has an analogy. He said, I don't want to be the guy, you know, rushing to the gold rush. He's like, or looking for gold. I want to be the guy on the sidelines selling the shovels. Yeah. And so that was our... Um, thought process when we were like hey let's start up a uh, supply store so we do currently own a supply store uh it's not a it's not active at the moment it is very popular it's called sportopia where we sell all our mushroom supply kits um and then you grow whatever variation of mushroom you want but um they're intended for gourmet we uh sell the syringes for gourmet mushrooms you know uh your uh, uh one of shiitake lion's, lion's mane, mane um, all the different oyster pink mushrooms. oyster was really popular pink oyster interestingly enough tastes is like, tastes like bacon tastes when like you bacon. fry it up yeah. so it's like a bacon alternative which is pretty cool um it's a beautiful mushroom when it grows uh, Lion's Mane, you guys have probably seen all the advertisements and, you know, they're starting to use it as an ADHD uh, alternative or an Adderall alternative. They're starting to use it as a coffee alternative to a caffeine alternative. Um, so they're using it like there's a different I'm coffee mixes. Coffee. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, like, I didn't try it. I it's called that, mud water. Yeah. And yeah. Then there's also that other one, Cachava. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that does a ton of mushrooms in it as yeah. well. But that's right. a whole episode on its own, and we'll have we'll have that episode where we're, we'll talk about you that's know how to grow we got a bunch yeah of stuff to how to grow about. mushrooms. But anyway, so you've got that like hey if you have a, if you have a sewing machine and you like sewing yeah like oh my gosh we made true story so, so much money making yeah masks. let's talk about this story so when the pandemic hit I was working um, I went to go work on the farm we moved back um to south texas right and as we left the farm right as we left the so farm we, we and left our the, isolation we left this farm in the middle of nowhere it's like our nearest neighbor was 17 freaking miles away we leave a farm we move back to the sea to be close to her family and help with the baby because the baby had just gotten out of uh the NICU, the NICU. and um like what was it like a month and a half later they're like Congratulations on your pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> a month and a half later, COVID hit. I was working, um, you know, it was, was it working a super serious job, but it was super serious to me. I was working from home, but, you know, I had just gotten a little job because I had just had my daughter, so I was still, she still required a lot of my attention. She was a preemie, and she was, um, you know, very small and young. So, anyway, um, I got laid off, right? People weren't paying their bills. COVID hits. People stopped paying their... I was doing... Um, I was selling WISP services, you know, wireless internet service provider um, in South Texas in rural areas, which was pretty cool because, you know, again, you know, I love that we were helping the rural areas. But um, so I got laid off and I was like, oh, crap. Like, what am I going to do? 
Well, I had had, my husband had bought me a sewing machine the year before and, you know, I was like, well, you know, he was like, well, you should teach yourself how to sew masks. And I was like, okay. So I, you know, learned how to sew masks and make masks and it was very, very cool masks that, you know, I learned how to make. Uh, they were three, they were three layers. They had filters. They had filters in them, yeah. um, washable you know, very cool designs. Well, this was back at the beginning when nobody had masks. Nobody had masks. There was no such thing as a 95. Yeah. You didn't buy them anywhere. So. Um, even even us in the medical field didn't have them. Yeah. Like, uh, and so I started by having her make masks for all of us. Mm-hmm. Like, in the medical field. So all of us, I had nurses and doctors, everybody wearing cool, like, masks. And then everybody wanted their own logos on them. And so we started doing All fancy, fancy stuff. <laughs> yeah, branded ones. I mean, I was sewing 13 hours a day. And then you made and, me do it. And then I needed help because I was, like, literally expanding. Like, I needed, I had two sewing machines going. I had three people helping me. I was shipping all over. I was actually shipping all over the world. I shipped over to Philippines, the Philippines. I shipped uh, all over the United States. Um, making masks and just because everybody like my masks hit and there was such a big deal and so that was yeah right place right time and i monetized my sewing machine um so yeah you can do it i had never sewn uh, sewn a day in my life and i was sewing like 13 hour days and now you taught me and now i know how to sew so and it's fun i mean i don't know it is fun fun. actually i'd like to have a sewing area in the new house yeah me too so we can we can do like we can make our own yeah quilts and honestly like with everything going on and, you know, the inflation of the dollar and, you know, or, and, or inflation in general and clothes, supposedly everything's going to spike really bad. Um, so I would sew clothes. Like if I have to make my daughter's clothes, like I know I can make her clothes, you know. Be cool as heck clothes. It would be cool as heck. We're pretty talented about yeah. it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So oh, I think we pretty much nailed just you can make money in everything. If you have a shovel, make money. Like you can monetize everything in your in, in your farm, like everything. If you have a really pretty garden, man, you could charge people to come and take pictures in it. Yeah, I mean, make a back, make like create a backdrop. Everybody's all about the gram. Everybody's all about social media. Make a very beautiful area where people can come take their wedding photos, family po- photos, seasonal pictures. You know, charge photographers to be able to take bring their clients over to your spot to take pictures of their brides and grooms and all that stuff, right? And if you don't have social media, get social get media. Social media. I'm sorry. Even if you hate it and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, it it's still, that's where the world is headed. That's, that's where the world is that. at. That's where the communication is at. And that's where people actually, you know. That's the only way they want to read. They, they want yeah, to Yeah, that's the only way they interact. Like, after your long day, what do you do? You grab your phone and you look at your social media. Yeah. And that's just the thing, so. You got to have, you know, just put something up there every once in a while for them to look at. It's really not that difficult. It sounds like... But with the ability nowadays to cross post, like make one post on Facebook and have it post to Instagram, Instagram. Twitter, mm-hmm. everything all at the same time. Yeah. Or like uh, this, this, like this podcast goes up to everywhere. Yeah. The YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, it goes everywhere all at once. Uh, so it's it's just one post done, right? Uh, so it's really not that difficult. It's pretty cool. Uh, if you get a, and then take pictures of whatever you're doing. And, and make sure to update your, because uh, you got you're your own marketing team, right? Uh, if you own a farm and you're trying to monetize it, you're your own marketing team, and the best way to do that is be your own cheerleader and let everybody know what you have available. And you can't sell a secret. Yeah, you can't sell a secret. 
Uh, on that note, I think we're pretty much done with that. What do we got for news? Let's for check news, out my news. Yeah, big stuff. Um, one thing that I'm sure you guys are either talking about or thinking about is bricks. Okay. So let's talk about bricks. Bricks is bad news. Um, it's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Uh, they came together in 2010. And they are making their own money. Uh, they're making their own digital currency and their own, like, money money. Um, and they are attempting to compete directly with the petrodollar, which is what the American dollar is now. It used to be based on gold and silver. It is no longer. It's basically based on, like, just oil, really, uh, nowadays. So, uh, BRICS is going to directly compete with us, and it's going to make our life miserable. Uh, it's going to launch, and they're going to compete with us on the world stage for uh, supplies. Like, directly with America. For, like, wheat and oil and gas and shipping rights and shipping lanes and everything else. You're going to see a pretty much inflation nightmare. Like, I don't know how to uh, counter this other than check out the check out of the system as much as you can, which just means become food independent yep. as much as possible. Uh, you might want to think about if you've always been wanting to think about changing careers, I would probably change careers before bricks really gets its teeth in the ground. Uh, because you might not have a chance later, not that you're going to be stuck in the one career, but that it's going to be a whole bunch of people competing for what jobs are there, right? So, uh, yeah, I would definitely, I would stick to industries that, um, you know, like education, uh, you know, um, medicine, uh, farming, uh, stuff like that, that, that people always need to eat. They're always going to need to be educated. They're always going to get hurt, you know. They're always going to be buried. <laughs> My grandpa uh, grew up during uh, the Great Depression. And he would tell us, like, one of the most stable jobs in the entire world is being an undertaker. People are always going to die. It's one thing you're going to do good life. You know, if you want to, <laughs> he, he's like, you'll, you'll always have a job. And uh, he's right. Like, you'll always have a job. It just seems like a... Have you ever met an undertaker? No. I have. They're kind of weird. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine so. I've heard. I'm not that weird. Like, the the there's a couple of famous YouTubers that are undertakers. And... They're, um, they're weird. Yeah. Like they, 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 have, I, they have to be a special kind of, uh, character. I yeah. Believe. A special kind of odd. Yeah. So like that kind of thing or veterinary medicine, stuff like that, uh, is good. But, but like, I don't think that, uh, being a, uh, speculative, uh, social media, um, dog coin trader is going to really be a, a viable option once bricks hits uh, all the way. So, uh, brick sucks. Yeah. And that's about the news that I have about that. Let's talk. But let's talk about solutions, right? Like, we're not here to instill fear. Like, we're not trying to create any type of panic. But let's think about it, right? We're problem solvers. So, if bricks does hit, like, and you have to think, you know, think of the old ways, right? What did they used to do back in the day? They used to barter. They used to trade. You had skills, you know, that people sought you out for. You had certain products, items, food that they sought you out for and, and traded with you or bought from you or whatever the case. 
um, get wise and start. That's why we're, you know, this, it, it couldn't have been at a better time that we're purchasing our farm, that we started this podcast, that we're educating the public in how to self-sustain, you know. Um, this is going to be really relevant really quickly, and we just want have, you guys to know. You don't need to have a farm to have relevant skills. Um, it helps because you have a place to practice those skills. Uh, but you can live in the city and be an arborist, or you can live in the city and be, you know, something you do in your regular everyday job, like say you're a veterinarian or something like that. Well, you need something else done outside of work, and it's just not financially going to make sense because the dollar, you know, is going to go to crap. So you can barter your services, any type of services. You can barter food. Let's say you're a great bread baker. Barter some food. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll be able to work on trading stuff within a group of people. And if you have a group of people that are like, you know, say five or six households that are trading stuff back and forth, well, You're be all right. every, every one of those households knows five or six other households, right? And so now if you need your tire, a new tire, it's just the same thing that happens in any collapse, uh, like Venezuela. It was impossible to get, like, tires. But, you know, your, your, your cousin's uncle had a guy who had a tire shop that he regrooves tires. So you could be able to trade your, your, your cousin, you know, four gallons of moonshine to go over there and get the tire, right? So you there is always a trading and a bartering system that happens in any sort of collapse or shit to fan. And I would probably suggest that if you can, uh, grow food, not lawns. Uh, if you live inside the city you and you're required to keep a back lawn for some stupid HOA purpose then you can do a hydroponic setup. We did a whole episode on hydroponics. And you can grow a ton of food out of some five-gallon buckets and a piece of PVC. Like, we grow a ton of food. Yeah. We're just laundry baskets full of tomatoes and peppers. Yeah. Like, so much so we couldn't give them away. We pickled them and froze them. And, and I have them. a big family, and they would come over and get, you know, fresh tomatoes and peppers for their pico de gallo, and By I still had a plethora. Walmart sack. Yeah. Though. They'd be like, I'm going to go over for tomatoes, and they would come over, you know, like twice a week or whatever and pick up. And we still had enough. Like, we still had an abundance. But you can also can them. You yep. can freeze dry them. And uh, you can, can dehydrate them. That can, that can tomato sauce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great trade item. Exactly. Super great trade item. Like, uh, you know, uh, tomato powder. I use it surprisingly often. Like, I put tomato powder in a lot of things. So just dehydrated, not freeze-dried tomato. But, like, just, I you take, there's something magical that happens with the temperature. It's the sweetness. It, it, bring, it makes them taste like they're sun-dried, right? Like, but if you just crank the temperature up and dehydrate them well past sun-dried stage... You can grind them up to powder with a coffee grinder and then put that in a quart uh, or a pint jar and save it for a long time. And tomato paste added to a rub for chicken is amazing. It's like it's like adding sun-dried tomatoes like all over your chicken. It's it's great. I use tomato I use the tomato uh um powder uh for all sorts of things. So yeah. You can do that. Um, so that's that's kind of how to not die with bricks. Um, inflation nightmare. So in the news today, this is coming from uh, another prepper website. They're saying that uh, American households are spending seven hundred nine dollars more for groceries 
uh, and for the same goods as they were buying two years ago. Yeah. So it's coming out to, you know, two years ago they were doing, you're, you're paying $709 to get the same amount of food that you would have gotten. It's going to cost I would argue more. that it's the same amount of food because I had a theory with when all this started up. I said, they're going to sell you the same thing for the same price and it's going to be a lesser amount. So have you guys noticed that when you buy like anything, even like even a cheeseburger at, at McDonald's, you know, is like tiny now, eeny tiny, you know, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, gorge yourself or anything like that. But I know that there's a difference in like, a, I, I don't know what I bought the other day that I was like, what? That looks so small in comparison to what you used to get before. Like, so they're definitely sizing down on that. So they're saving money both ways and still charging you the same. And it's just. It's it's mind it's a mind boggle. It's so we're gonna do an episode later on uh, on mitigating your uh, exposure in an economic collapse. Yep, that'll um, be our next episode. So yeah, and that's that's kind of that that'll tie into the whole bricks thing. It'll tie into the whole why it's costing you almost a thousand dollars extra a month to live, uh, and then also in kind of crappy news is that there's fewer cattle on feed and there's lower placements of cow, ca- calf. Heifer herds, uh, and um, just the whole nine yards by a lot, by not just a little, by a lot. So there's 1.6 uh, million head less than there was at this time last year uh, in the cattle feedlot. Nobody can afford to feed them. We've been talking to you guys about grain failures, about crop failures, everything else. It's starting to catch up. And this is coming from Farm Progress. It's a very well-respected uh, website um, showing the cattle futures and everything going on. And it's just bottoming out. So you have Another crazy, reason crazy why line. we're going to have a mushroom episode, because, again, an alternative food source uh, for protein for an, a meat alternative. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, you're looking at about a uh, overall cost to feed your cattle is uh, out of feedlot is 11 uh 11.5 percent higher than it was at this time last year and it was oh 11 percent that's not bad if i buy a you know a five pound uh thing of ground beef that's only like 55 or 57 cents extra no that's just to feed them that's not costing the processing or everything else by the time that 11 percent makes it to you it's almost 100 percent so uh makes it through the entire system it's going. You know, I'd expect to be be paying double uh, for beef going into uh, late this this year. Excuse me, and early next year. Kind of crappy. What do you got, sweetie? So one of the interesting, you know, as as if we didn't have enough going on. Um, so have you guys uh, heard about the fruit fly that is invasive and is in California right now where they're having to quarantine their fruits and veggies? Um, you know, it's the Tau fruit fly. And, you know, it, it's kind of creating some real havoc out there for farmers, you know. Um, so it has a tendency of it's attracted to rotted fruit. Um, so What's so bad about this particular fruit it, fly? It lays um, eggs within the fruit. So, like, it's totally spoiling, you know, all types of fruit and veggies, really invasive, you know, spreading quickly. So they're having to literally quarantine their, you know, vegetables and their fruits. 
um, the farmers are, and it's coming out of their pocket, right? And they're, you know, if it's an organic farm, you know, they're very careful on what types of pesticides they're using. Um, a lot of them are resorting to like growing things that are that will repel um, insects naturally, like peppermint, basil, lavender, things of that sort. Um, but yeah, just something to keep an eye out because it's literally affecting a lot of farmland and fruits and veggies, and that's just going to be. Uh, that's just another source of food that we're going to be down and out. And in California, they grow a lot of avocados, and they're particularly attracted to avocados and tomatoes. Well, that's a good segment into the tree of the day. <laughs> <laughs> tree of the day is going to be the Catalina avocado tree. The Catalina avocado tree is an avocado that originally came from Cuba. Uh, it's native to Cuba. Cuba has been naturalized to Florida. It's a little bit different of the avocado. It's not like a Haas. Which everybody's familiar with. It says the tree effortlessly blends beauty and utility with its graceful branches and glossy green leaves that complement any landscape with a moderate growth rate and mature height of around 20 to 30 feet. So it's a big tree. This avocado tree, avocado tree strikes a harmonious balance between size and convenience, making an excellent fit for both spacious gardens and cozy outdoor spaces. One good thing about this avocado uh, is that. Um, it has a strike appearance with large pear-shaped avocados that weigh uh, about a pound each, so they're big. Pebble texture skin increases creamy pale green flesh, uh, rich in flavored oils. Um, it's more rounded uh, than like the Haas avocado. It's more of a circular kind of shape. They're a self-pollinating tree. They're easy to care for. Now, uh, if you live in like zone 9 and above some more of the tropical southern states, you can plant it outside. However, this particular avocado does extremely well in a greenhouse. In a greenhouse and also in a, on a back porch in a container. So you can just wheel a container in and out. Like yep, when, when it it's gets gonna, too cold. When it's gonna, gonna freeze, it becomes an indoor plant. Yep. When it gets not, it's an outdoor plant. So pretty awesome. Does super, super good and fruits just fine in a container. So that's really nice for those little guys. Um and our plant of the day is going to be the Texas Super Sweet Onion. It's about time. Uh, well, no. It's going to be time here soon to get your onion sets and put them in the ground. At least for us. That usually happens about February here. Uh, it's considered one of the most flavorful onions on the planet. Uh, it can keep more than two months after you harvest them. Vigorous plant with high yields and good disease resistance. Developed by Texas A&M University. Matures in 115 days. Open pollinated short day onion. Now, when you hear people talking about um, a short day and a long day onion, you know what the difference is? No. All right. It's going to sound counterintuitive. Okay. But the higher north you go, the longer the days are. Okay. Like, um, and that's just because the way the earth sits and it spins. So the, the summer in, like, say, northern Idaho, the days can be, you know, 18 hours long. Whereas here, the closer so to the equator... It, does that mean it's longer? Like, longer the day okay. is longer day. Cool. It's like 18 okay. hours of sunlight. Whereas when you get down here, the closer you are to the equator, the more even it is at like 12 hour, 12 hour, 12 hour, 12 mm -hmm. hour. Whereas directly at the equator, it's everything's 12 hours a day, 12 hours a dark. So they're shorter here. The shorter days here. So short day onion is... Short day is going to pretty much cover most of North America. Except for like... The upper upper top. Oh, I thought there was a difference in size. Like if it's the longer, shorter. No. That's what I said. It's the short yeah. onion. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Short okay. days. It's gonna sound counterintuitive, but the more northern latitude you go, the longer the daylight hours are in summer. 
Whereas the shorter the day, the a short day onion is going to be, and then uh, about the bottom two thirds of America. Whereas the long day onions are going to be the the top two thirds of America. It sounds counterintuitive, but that that's how short day long day works. And that pretty much covers me uh, as far as cool stuff to go on a day. You got anything else to add, hon? No. Uh, well, I do. I want to give a shout out to all our listeners. Um, we have, uh, you know, 69% of them in the United States. We have listeners in Australia, Singapore, Spain, United Kingdom, India. We love you guys. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for believing in us. Uh, we want to keep these episodes coming. So it really inspires us when we see our listeners pop up from all over the world. Um, it's super cool, too. So It is very cool. I would like to give a special shout out to uh, somebody that had sent us our um, really awesome uh, little plant and given kind of an update on it. So, Blue, uh, you know who you are. You are... The little uh, big blue, the um, the uh, they're in Australia. Yeah, they're from Australia. Yeah. The the finger lime seeds you sent us. We have a little six inch tall finger lime now. Nice. Uh, that's the guy that's sitting right there in the window. Yeah. Right yeah. So uh, super happy with that. Super awesome. Love it to death. I I cherish the living crap out of that cool little awesome finger lime. Very happy with the guy. Uh, thank you very much for that. With that said, guys, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Yeah. It's been a pretty good episode. Uh, like I said, next episode is going to be about what you could do to mitigate your exposure with um, a uh, economic collapse. I think we've pretty much covered everything there is to do with farming and homesteading mm -hmm. stuff, right? Yep. We've covered monetizing. We've covered animals. We've covered every type of animal yeah. from poultry to, to fish. To, we've covered, I think we've ground farming into the ground. And I think it's now time to, uh, until we move and start actually rocking and rolling and putting plants into the ground, we'll do more techy type episodes where we talk about like our, um, you know, limiting your exposure for the uh, economic collapse, uh, finding ways to um, uh, feed your family for cheaper. Yep. Um, adding another stuff. food source like mushrooms that'll be a whole episode on its own so stay tuned for that one um, but yeah if there's anything that you guys want to learn about want to want us to you know figure out for you provide you with ideas and solutions to problems definitely by all means email us uh, we'll be happy to respond and you know save that for a podcast so that we could talk to everybody and you know communicate that out to the world and that email will be thisferallifepodcast at gmail.com. Our Venmo is thisferallife at uh, Venmo. Um, our cash app is dollar sign thisferallife. You can go ahead and find us on Etsy where we have all sorts of cool, interesting, and unique items. And it's going to be uh, thisferallife.etsy.com. Uh, you can go ahead and like us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to get a hold of us if you want to have a chat or talk to us or give any suggestions, hate mail, that kind of stuff. We love it all. Um, if you send us cool stuff, we'll give you a shout out as always and keep you updated on however the cool stuff is you were doing. Yep. Uh, later on uh, this year, we are hoping to be able to, um, well, I guess it would be next year, next growing season, where we'll be we're hoping to be able to have things like seed packets that we can send out to people that are listeners. 
where we'll have like, hey, look, we've got a great deal on we these, so we can make this or X, yeah. Y, and Z available for you. And let me get my food up. You know, uh, my freeze dry operation up and going and really hit that hardcore. And, and I'll have a website where you guys can go and purchase some freeze dried meals from us as well. And we'll be able to do a bunch of give. We'll be, we'll be able to do a, a lot more giveaways and a lot more interaction with everybody when our hands aren't tied and we're not all cramped into a little rental house. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun right now, guys. We are it's busting not. out at the seams. Yeah. We're just ready to get going. Um, you know, they updated us today. And because it's been so hot, they haven't been able to have our work crew out there building and, and continuing the build because it's too dangerous for them to work out in the sun, or it was. It was 110 week. degrees. Yeah, yeah I don't blame so them. I don't blame them. You know, we weren't trying to pressure them to hurry up and, and endanger them or anything like that. So we have to be patient, and it's looking more like October now, so it's been pushed back. So, you know, stay tuned, and we'll definitely, um, you know, be you guys will be, be able to experience, like, growing out or building out a homestead with us. Step by step. Yep. I uh, currently have dreams of building decks. <laughs> and I'm currently uh, having dreams about the deck that I want you to build for me. So. <laughs> Definitely a wraparound in my future with, you know, like, you know, all kinds of coolness. So I'm excited. All right, guys. And with that, we love you very much. Uh, take care. Love you all. Good night. All righty.